Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to today's shear. So as usual, around times of Yom Tovim, we tend to veer from our regular scheduled programming of a Shalos and Shuva and do something more relevant to the upcoming Chag, Moed, or holiday. Today we're not even doing a Shalos and Shuva, though some will come up. Today we, I want to discuss Parsha Zohar. This coming Shabbos, as we noted, we're reading Parsha Zohar. And I want to discuss a little about it. I want to figure out what, why exactly are we reading it, what is the point of reading it, and through that explore various halachos when it comes to Parsha Zohar, such as who's obligated, um, and how exactly one fulfills their obligation. Again, Marimakobos are found on the Bimo. Ready? Okay. Okay. So the Gemara Megillah. The Gemara Megillah tells us, says as follows. There's a fascinating discussion about the, when one reads the Torah, what language must they read? Can they read the Torah in? Does the Torah have to be read, uh, read in Hebrew? Or could the Torah read the whole Lashon in any language? That's, the, that's what the Gemara wants to know. It says Tosos. I don't understand. Like, who cares what language? You can sit next to me. We can share the coffee. Who cares what language you read the Torah in? Like, what's Lamai Nafkamina? What's the difference? And Tosa says, it's not like any of the reading of the Torah is biblically mandated, except for Parshas Zohar. The first Tosa says, other than Parshas Zohar, reading the Torah from the Tzibor is seemingly never biblically mandated. And that's the first source we have that there's actually a biblical injunction, a biblical obligation to read Parshas Zohar. I wasn't going to quote this, but then this morning, the kids woke up early, so I found an interesting source, which is actually relevant to those doing Mishnayomi. If you recall a few months ago, Joshi, what did we learn about Rabbi Eliezer? Do you remember what he did to his slave? Does anyone know what he did to his slave? He freed him without freeing him. Well, no, he freed him. <laughs> Rabbi Eliezer woke up one morning and realized he only had nine people at Dominion. Maybe it happened once or twice in Anche Chesed. So he went on the WhatsApp group and said, anyone, can anyone come? And of course, nobody came. So he turned to his slave and he said, I'm going to free you. Once you free a slave, he's now considered a full-fledged Jew and you're going to join us for the Dominion. That's, Abraham Lincoln was Great job, Andy. So, so the, uh, the rush over there points out, he says, well, I don't, why would he free him? Tzvila B'tzibor is seemingly Darabonin. No one get any ideas here. He goes, other than, other than reading, reading Parsha Zohar B'tzibor, I don't know why one would have to free the slave. So that's the other source we find that Parsha Zohar Daraisa. So, Again, there's seemingly a derisa to read Parsha Zohar, but we have to explore what exactly is it, why is it. Before we even do that, what is Parsha Zohar? What is Parsha Zohar? Where, does anyone know which, which saint from the Torah comes from? Other than jo- uh, Jonathan? <laughs> He's Eitzay. Which is found where? But where, where which is it? Bereshit Shemos? Oh, It's in Devarim, correct. We should say, remember what the Jewish people, what, what the Amalek did to us as we left the Trium. So again, they came, they attacked us, and we remember this, and we, then we say, And we end off reading about what they did to us, this terrible thing, which we'll explore a little more soon, and we say, Eradicate. The, mem- the memory of Amalek. Interestingly, as we know, just a few weeks ago, we read another, we re- read the actual Torah, what ha- the actual story would happen in the Torah. 
And there, it's by Yav Amalek, by Yachem Yisrael, we feed them. Amalek came, they attacked us. And if you go through there, it's the difference between Parsha and Shemos and Parsha and Devarim is there's no mention in Shemos of Timcha Zecha Amalek. There's no mention of this obligation to eradicate Amalek. It's just a story. Here's a story, wait a couple books, and then we discuss the actual obligation now. What is our response? And this is very crucial. We'll see why in a minute. We'll see why in a minute. If you turn to the next page, there's the Rambam. The Rambam says in Sefer Mitzvahs, as we discussed before, the Rambam wrote a Sefer Mitzvah detailing each and every mitzvah, the 613 mitzvahs. What are they? Comes along the Rambam and goes, I'll tell you. And he goes through each and every one of the mitzvahs. Says in, again, page number two, we have an obligation to remember what Amalek did to us. Notice, he doesn't give a time. He just says we have an obligation to remember it. And we have to remember, he says, every, all the time. All the time, he says. He doesn't, he doesn't, mention, doesn't mention once a year, all the time. Um, how they came to us as a people. What does it mean to remember? Remember is not just in your heart. You think about something, you have to also utter it. It has to be an action connected to it. I.e., you have to say it. So it's an obligation to remember. Memory means... Uttering it, using the words, which oftentimes when, we, when you repeat things, you remember it better. And again, the Rambam has no mention of how often. He just seems to say very often, not once a year. And then he says, fine. Fine, good. So a couple things. One is the Rambam doesn't mention once a year. So where did once a year come from? Does anyone have an idea? Where did once a year come from? I would say that, but they actually, the Yerushalmi points out and that back in the day, they actually, they, they, the Torah is only read over a three-year cycle, which would make priest Torah so much shorter, right? What about, what about significance of Purim being a perfect time to do it? So the, the, the Megillah, the Mar Megillah points it out, the reason we read it now is because it's, just, it's juxtaposed to, to Purim. So there's multiple reasons put once a year. The, the most classic one is Ricky Baker points out that we tend to, it takes about a year to start forgetting things. I mean, we forget things all the time, but really after a year, which is why Hakamas Matseva happens within a year. These sort of things happen within a year because after a year you start forgetting things, that's how you remember it. But the Rambam makes no mention of that. And actually, Rabbi Pomeranchik, Ari Pomeranchik, in his Amy Brofsa says it could be the Rambam doesn't think there's an obligation once a year. All the time remember it. What does all the time mean? Often. He says Zohar means to repeat it one time. Zohar means to, to remember. Don't forget. Zohar means not to forget. Oh, but I think it's to repeat it one time. So you repeat, when you repeat it, you don't forget. Chazara. Zohar says in Exactly. Zohar, remember Shabbos. So there's going to be some sort of parallel, by the way, between Shabbos, because the, the, the post can point out, I was going to discuss it, the post can point out, there's no obligation to read about Shabbos, maybe, although we do read it every week. Or any other. Or any other Zohar. So why, why is a Molik any different? So we'll see if we get there in a minute. Says Rabbi Salvechik, I just brought this new sefer we have it in our library. The Harry Ketan. Harry Ketan is our Michal Shurkin. Who was our Michal Shurkin? Anyone know? Who is he? He's a rabbi in Tomo, in Torres Moshe. He's a Haredi guy. He learned in, I believe, Beis Talmud in Brooklyn. And his rabbi said to him, You should go check out Rabbi Salvechik, you know, the, the modern Orthodox rabbi. So he decides to go there and he's like, Oh, this is really good Torah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go bring it back to my yeshiva. So he decides to write like a Haredi version of the Rav's Torah, which is awesome. Um, 
Either way, it's because of that, it's you can find it in a lot of places. I figured it's important we have one because someone's gonna have the Rubs Torah in, in Linden. Because I don't think we're gonna find it in Cussin. I mean, right now all you'll find in Cussin is a bunch of bricks. My father in law has a whole set of Rubs Torah and he loves them. And he's a fish. Maybe he's one member in our show. Okay, so says the Rubs. What is the nature? What is the nature of the idea of remembering a mullet? Why are we trying to remember a mullet? What exactly is it? And this will really help us figure out a lot of the questions we ask. Says the rub, it could be either for two reasons. Either you don't want to remember a mullet, because what essentially we're doing is when you remember what a mullet did to us, we're gearing ourselves up for battle. Remember what a mullet did for us? One day we have to eradicate a mullet. Essentially, it's a way of preparing us for the eventual battle, the eventual war with a mullet. It's not just remember, oh, they did something bad to us, but they did something bad to us, and therefore we must react, we must respond. That's one reason why we read it. The other reason, says Drove, is no. The reason we read about a mullet is because a mullet we're bad people, and we have to remember what they did to us so we don't act in that way. We have to remember a, a mullet, let's say, epitomizes evil. They epitomize things that are not good one minute, and therefore we read about a mullet, not because, yes, one day we will go and eradicate a mullet, but right now we read about it just to remember evil, and that there's evil in this world, and it's not just found in Russia. Yeah. How can we don't do the same thing for all the other languages <laughs> and everything else that we don't say again? Say, how come we don't say something for the drums and all the other bad things that happened to us that we don't do as well? Well, you can, just a mullet. I think it's a mullet is unique, which we'll see in a minute why. Although the rub did have an idea which he thought that a mullet at this point is any nation that epitomizes this trait of evil takes on the date of a mullet. The rub, the, the rub did say it, which is it's a Hiddish. But it's, you know, there's something that makes sense about that. If you turn back, I'm sorry this is out of order, I thought this might actually fit very well. According to the second idea, it's just about remembering evil and teaching us a lesson. Look at Devarim 24. Devarim 24. It's actually 25, I believe. It's up but this is, the, this is the Torah. Right before we read about Tim Chazech Malik, what do we read about? Look, the last of the Marim Malkum is on the page. Anyone want to read it? Jonathan? Sure. <laughs> So the immediate parish of proceeding, reading about this injunction to eradicate evil in this world, is all about honesty about not having dishonest weights in your house. Not, which essentially, if you think about it for a moment, it's one of the core, one of the core things that hold us together as a society is when you have, when, when we, the, the, the most basic, uh, the most basic honesty is, pre- is present. Imagine if every time you went to the store, you had to be concerned that it's like the uh, gas station on the corner here. No, um, where the weights might be off. It's, there's, uh, there's, that's an evil. That really, and you're, you're stealing, especially often for people who can't afford more, these little, these little things make a big difference. Perhaps the reason why we juxtapose these two power shows is to tell us that it's not just a mullet many years ago remember evil, but also this, we should eradicate this sort of evil within our, each and every one of our hearts. So that's what the Rav is saying. There's two approaches. Either we remember a mullet because they did something terrible to us, and one day we have to go, or no. It's not as much about the battle. Yes, that's a separate mitzvah. This is a unique mitzvah of the evil that they did. And what's going to be a nafkaminas? Let's explore a couple of nafkaminas, which are going to help really understand and bring and get to the heart of what exactly this mitzvah is. 
The Sefer Achinuch, another one of the great works counting all the different mitzvahs, says as follows. Remember what Amalek did to us. So the Sefer, again, the Sefer Achinuch was a, was a work where he went through all 613 mitzvahs, and he gives the very basic, this is what the mitzvah is, this is why Hashem gave it, giving his interpretation, although often he knows that it could be more speculative, because ultimately you don't know the divine will, and then saying, and this, these mitzvahs apply to men, to women, to everyone, fine. If you remember what Amalek did to Yisrael, he says as follows, and we'll continue outside. Amalek came to us at the moment when we were unpenetrable. We were a nation, if you think about it for a moment. God had taken us out of Mitzrayim with this Yada Chazaka, the entire world saw what happened. We left Mitzrayim. There were Makos. There was the Yamsof. Everyone was afraid of us. It, we, we were, had that, 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 it's kind of like, think about almost Israel post-67 for those couple of years when everyone was afraid. My grandfather tells me they used, to, they used to drive everywhere. Drive into every Arab village and everyone was afraid. Everyone was afraid. And then what happens? It takes one person, that Nachshon, to jump in the water and essentially say, oh, you think, you think that, they're, they're, that you can't touch them? We'll show you you can touch them. You know what? Amalek lost. Amalek lost. But the, what happened? All it took was them to jump in and them, them to attack us. And then suddenly the, that aura of security that was surrounded us fell apart. More than that. More than that. And again, this is the, 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 the major tells us it's kind of like a match of a burning hot cauldron. And no one wants to touch it. And finally one guy goes, I'll jump inside. And he jumps inside and he burns himself. But once he does it, it becomes permissible. And everyone else does it. And it's not just about, obviously, I'll Darrell Drush. It applies to other areas in their life. You can have someone says something very profound that takes one late to make a comment, and everyone can think, oh, you're, you're ridiculous, but ultimately everyone starts believing it. Everyone starts believing it. It's interesting. I was talking to someone um, in this community, not one of our neighbors, and he said to me, when the anti-measles vaccine came out, everyone thought they were crazy. But that already planted in their head, oh, there's something, there's, there's something, there's, there's something maybe there's truth here. Again, something that takes that one person to plant it in. Everyone's like, the first person's crazy, the second person, ah, maybe. Which may be out there after Jewish, what, what a mullet, this idea about the lakes, about. But I think it's a lot deeper than that, though. If you think about it for a moment from the perspective of God, God comes to this, God comes, he reintroduces himself to the world God hasn't forgotten about. He says, I am here, I'm present, I am in Mitzrayim, I'm bringing these mockers, it's undeniable I exist. And everyone all over the world, in a way, started believing in God. And then they took a mullet to say, ah, no, he's not really there, he doesn't really care, he doesn't know what's going on, I'll attack the Jewish people. Which says that's the root of why Amalek's so bad. Because Amalek, it wasn't just any evil, but it was an evil at a moment when we could have, history could have ended. We could have marched into Eretz Yisrael, everyone would have believed in God, the, Hashem's name would be one, and the whole world, and that would have been the end of history. We went to a new era of the dawn of Mashiach. And the reason that didn't happen was because they came along and planted that cynicism. Ah, eh, God's not really there. And that began to erode the faith of the rest of the world, and including in our own, in our own faith. And then the Sefer HaKinah says, and who, who does this mitzvah apply to? As we know, all 613 mitzvahs don't apply to everyone, unless you're a man, a woman, a Kohen, a lady, a or a king, which means you probably live in San Francisco. But other than that, they don't apply to everyone. This mitzvah applies any and every time. This is a charim, but only to males. Why? Because the obligation to go to war is on males. The low lenashim. Women do not go to war. 
says the Sefer Chinuch, this is mitzvah of remembering a Malik. And the mitzvah, therefore, of reading it once a year does not apply to a woman because they don't have an obligation to go to war. What do we see from there? What side of, this, of, the, of our hakira, of our equation, is the Sefer Chinuch taking? That, what do you say? Exactly. That the, uh, the whole idea of remembering a Malik is not just, it's not just about remember what they did to us, but remembering so that we can go to war. And if you believe that, the first major nafkamin is going to be that a woman are putter. Because they, they're not obligated to go to war. A woman does not go to war, and therefore she has no obligation to come to Shul on uh, Parsha Zohar. However, the Minchas Chinuch is not very excited about that. It says the Minchas Chinuch, he's a commentary, Rav Babad, as we mentioned before, I met this Babad here in town, and he told me he is a descendant. Rav Babad, the Minchas Chinuch, he's like, I don't understand. Where did he get this from? Because this that you say a woman is putter from this mitzvah, he says, his next source, we look here, he says, I need a source. You need a source. What's the cloud? What is the operative principle when it comes to the obligation of a woman when it comes to mitzvahs? A woman is obligated in every mitzvah that is? That's, that's the lowest mantra. Correct. A time-bound mitzvah woman are putter in. Why that is? For another time. If it's not time-bound, the whole makom, a woman is chayev. So if you're going to go against the operative principle, bring me a proof. Rabbi Chinuch. We don't know who he is, by the way. He's an anonymous author. Bring me a proof. Bring me a proof. More than that, he says. When Israel is under attack, it's not just because we want to expand our boundaries. Everyone is obligated to go, even a kala from the chuppah. Everyone. Everyone goes. So if that's true, what greater Mechemah's mitzvah is there? What greater war that's a mitzvah than destroying the Amalek? And therefore he says, and therefore he says, I don't know where you came from. It must, you, uh, a woman is chayv. A woman is chayv. Good. So right now what we have so far is, the Chinuch thinks women are potter because, it's, because they're not obligated to go to the war. Says the Sefer Chinuch, no, one minute, one minute. Maybe, maybe you're right. The whole idea of remembering a Amalek is for war, but a woman would be chayv in this war. And lastly, he says, and either way, he says, who it's all about the war? Maybe just about remembering what they did to us. So he plays both ends here. Either it's about the war, but a woman's chayef. And even if it's not about a war, but a woman will be chayef because it's not about a war. Exactly. That's exactly the point. I mean, if it's about the war, so she's chayef because a woman is chayef in a war against a malik. If it's not about the war, she's chayef because it's not a mitzvah, she's man grandma. And therefore, says Abraham, however you cut it, a woman's chayef, and therefore the woman have to come to Shul on Shabbos Parshat Zoch. And says the Minchas Gitzchuk, uh, he says as follows, he says, <laughs> He says the Minchas Gitzchuk, and that's exactly what happened. Where I come from, before Mincha, they do a second reading and all the women would come. Because they also didn't have groups, because no one wanted to work back then. And therefore, the women couldn't come to show in the morning, so they come in the afternoon. And because that's what it was. That's what it was. Women came, that's, that's always been the Minchas Gitzchuk. He doesn't say it's the Halacha, by the way. So that's our first... Nafkamin. Our first nafkamin is going to be if it's about war, so a woman is potter. If it's not about war, a woman would be chayef. Second nafkamin is as follows. Look at the Magen Avram. He says the olam, the world, the, the, the world he says is not knowing. In his time, people did not especially come to show. I mean, of course, everyone always came to show. Always, the Jewish people always come to show. They come on time. They don't talk during chazars or shots. We know how it works. It happened to be there was one epoch in history. Time of the Magen Avram for a couple of days, people didn't come to show. He wants to know why. And he says as follows, why are people not coming to show for, for Pasha Zohar? It's similar to the Raisa. Don't we know Kosvos? Don't we know the Rush? And he says as follows. 
Because I want to be miyash, I want to explain why people don't come to show. I'm going to give a heter. Why? Is it right anywhere in the Torah you have to read on Shabbos preceding Purim? No, as, as Stan said, we have to do it because it's a good time to do it. We read all about a Molek, Haman, etc. The reason I did this week is because this is the week. It's before Purim. People are going to be in the basic Knesset. There's, as again, the Gemara Megillah says, it's, it's a good time. We're talking about a Malik already. And therefore, he says as follows. And therefore, he says as follows. You know why people don't come? I don't know why. But at the end of the day, it's only Chazal. It's not the rice. The rice was not to read it this, this week. Chazal said, you, Torah says read it. Chazal say it's a good time to read it nowadays. But you know what? Everyone is going to come on Purim. Everyone wants to come on Purim. They have to come on Purim. It's when they get out their anger of the year during that Hamad. I assume the Bakar never likes that. But everyone comes on Purim, right? That's what we come to show. Once we're in Shalom Purim, what do we read Shachar's on Purim? By Yavah Malik, the Parsha of, of Bishalah. Exactly. And therefore, they mention that Malik. And therefore, they mention Amalek, and all is good and well. Says the Mughal Abram, you don't need to come to Shul Parsha Zachar. Either way, because you're reading it on Purim, just come to Shul on Purim. Or, if that matter, Lachar, come to Shul Parsha Shalach. Right? Or Parsha Kisese. However, we have a problem. Says the Mishnaburah, we don't have to read it inside. He's like, one minute. What do we point out? What's the discrepancy between the two Parshas? Between Bashalach and Kisese? Zachar, exactly. Parshas B'Shalach never once mentions we have an obligation to go to war. Parshas B'Shalach mentions that. Parshas B'Shalach is just what they did to us. Which means what? The Mughan of Ram seemingly thinks, why are we mentioning Amalek? If he thinks we could just read Parshas B'Shalach and Beyotze, just read what they did to us, it's probably just because we're supposed to remember what they did to us so we learn a lesson for our life. Says the Mishnah but that's not true. The reason we read about it is so we can prepare for battle. And if that's true, you can only Beyotze Parshas Kisegze. And therefore, coming on, on, on Purim itself is not going to help you. It's not going to help you. So, Nafkamina number, n- number two is if you think it's about war, so you have to Dafka read Parshish Kisetse. Whereas if you think, no, it's just about remember what they did to us, so you can come on Purim morning and you can skip Parshish Zachar. Don't get excited, you should still come on Parshish Zachar. It's going to be exciting here. That is Nafkamina number two. Okay, turn the page. Finishing up here. Number three is the Karen Or. The Karen Or is Rev. Carlene. He read a parish on the Gemara. He is a uh, a wonderful. Uh, we didn't say I'm Haman yet. <laughs> He's a uh, very interesting parish. I I Chavrusha can say like, anytime you have a question on the Gemara, he always has it. He always has it. So he says as follows. He wants to know why is it why is this mitzvah of zechir as a malik? Different than all the other Zechiris and Malik. As Daniel pointed out, we don't have this idea to read Zachar Shema Shabbos other times during the year. We don't, why is this different? He says as follows. Because Hinei Aram Bamzal, this is in the last page, why is this different? The reason why, remembering a mullet, which one has to do with Sibor in public, is different than, let's say, Shabbos. Because it's coming to, again, go to battle. 
Who goes to battle? An individual. A, a, a tzibor. An individual does not go to battle. You will not win. <clears throat> Secret. That guy who stood in front of the tanks in China, it was a good picture for the world, but Lechora, you know what happened a minute later, right? When you, when you, when you, you need a tzibor to go to battle, and therefore the obligation to go to war against the Malik is not on an individual. It's on the tzibor. It's on the congregation. It's on Klal Yisrael. What, what Rav Kalin is saying is a second, a third nafkamino. Not just is it about woman achai repater. Not just about which part should read, but also why are we reading the tzibor? Lachor he thinks because the whole obligation is on the tzibor because it's on all of us collectively to go to war. So if you think I'm, the whole idea of remembering it is just because we should learn from it, so then probably you can read it in private. But if you think it's about going to war. So it's about all of us reading it together because all of us have an obligation to collectively to go to war. And that's a third nafkamina. Yes, no, good. Questions, comments? Two more really quickly and then we'll finish up. One is, one is the, um, the Bahad doesn't count remembering a Malik as a mitzvah. Why not? Why wouldn't you count it as a mitzvah? We just mentioned it's a mitzvah. So some suggest, like we saw in the Rambam, some suggest in the Rambam because he doesn't think it's a mitzvah. But others say because he actually thinks it's part of the whole, if you think about it from if it's all about preparing for battle, one can make an argument. So what's the actual mitzvah? Going to battle. This is just machshire, preparation. It's preparation. Maybe it's not its own mitzvah in its own right. It's just, it's part of the mitzvah going to battle. So it's counted within the, if you were to, again, this not to me is less lemaisa, but it's more of if you were to write, decide, one of you here decided to write 613 mitzvahs, so if I ask you, is this a separate mitzvah? Say, no, it's part of the mitzvah going to battle. And lastly, lastly, you can argue that how relevant or important is it to read the actual words? How, if it's about what they did to us, so maybe you have to read every single word. Whereas, no, if it's about preparing for battle, as long as you touch on tim chazecher on Molech, so that's good enough. That's good enough. Um, what was I going to say? Okay, fine. So let's, let's finish up. What time is it? Okay, we'll finish up here. Um, okay. The so where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? Right? We asked what's the nature of this. It's clearly seemingly daraisa. The question: Are women chayav for one potter? So we said it depends on the sefer chinuch. That depends on the mogen. The nishtabura seem to think it's about paying for battle. So maybe you say they're potter. Well, what is the din? How do we paskin? The minchas yitzlik said. Minchas yitzlik said the minig was to go. However, the shut Torah's chesed who's a Who's Rav Shneir Zaman Frenkin? Who's a who's a Chabad Chassid? He says as follows: Amma, Yesh lo hayir beikar hadavar. Madamashma, this that we say, but true as a deshin. I'm not going to from the Kriyas Parshas Zochim in the Torah. Because I need to understand what is it that we say a the Kriyas Parshas Zochim in the Torah? Is it who the Kriyas Parshas Zochim in the Torah? Dafka in the Davar Muchah Kolkach. He says first of all, it's not so clear. You have to read it in the Torah. Maybe you can think it's Daraisa, but says who you have to actually read it from the Torah. Maybe as long as you say Tim Chazayach Armalik, you're done. You're good. Number two, even though he says Tosfos and Brachos, and it's also Tosfos and Megillah, the previous parasha Torah is from the text. The Torah is the right. So, Mikomakam Einu and Borbid Rein Shachiyav Daf because we say for Torah Tzibor. Who says it has to be the Tzibor? Maybe you can open up your stone chumash and read it your, and read it there, and you're fine. For reason, Parish Ramban Al Torah say so Parish Teitzay Shmetchila Kolka Vedarach Derech Tmiya. In their script, Parshas Malbut Tzibor, but so Dvar Matzish on the Chon Shachiyav Derayisa Shlonishka Parshas Malbut Nis Parzel of Neinu Luchen Tzibus Matora. What we should finish on before Dvarav Ain Chilikos Parshas Malbut Beseiv Torah Tzibor Dafka. And he brings a proof to say perhaps, and this could work very well, 
As long as you read it, who, like, why does it have to be read by Klamath? Read it with your article stone Chumash, or your new Korah in Tanakh, or whatever Chumash you want to use. And Bechein Mash with the Haram, etc., etc. When you can near us, Ains and Nikra Mitzvah the Derisa, the Sefer Achinach, Gam Kekos, and Ikra Mitzvah the Rakla, Zechel, Inyan, if you read the Sefer Achinach, he never said read it, he said remember it. Elos Gosh, Shemini Gisrola, the Sefer Torah, Pamach, Veshana, but he said the Midaga is to read it once a year. And he said, "But open the Nikrachim and the Raisa. Ain't Charles Lukros Parshas Zeb. Say for Torah. Daf Yotzim Zichir Pem Ba'Am. When you cut a Chama Lukros Parshas Zeb. Say for Torah. But Zibar Pamach Lashon. Fine. And then he again, he keeps on going on and on about how Luchora you can probably get away with just reading it, just reading it. And if you skip down, if you skip down now to the one, two, fourth, the last line, the Ain Maharai Lahachmor Zeb. And this time he's going to talk about women going to shul. They shouldn't be machmer to go." Why? It's a kula. They want to be machmer and go to show. It's going to become a kula. Why? You have women coming to show. Who knows what's going to happen? They'll talk to a man. So I guess in our community, maybe it's not so. It's not. It's not as relevant where women do come to show. Don't either take the Torah to the Ezra's Nashim, and Achish Mikra did, ain't Nashim Chayyim Lishmal and Kriya. We don't want to take the Torah out gratuitously, we don't just take the Torah out. So, oh, you have a, you have a simple solution, bring it to the women's section? No, why are you bringing it out? It says, a minig should Yisrael Torah, he the minig is, we don't do it. So it's interesting. He's saying where he's from, the minig is, no one does it, minig Yisrael Torah, which we discussed with, with Rapai Gon. Minig looks like, minig Yisrael, we do take it out. So it seems again, it's, a, it's, a, it's my focus, Simeon Hagim here. I never ever heard anyone who would read Parshdochar. He basically says, Don't be over the minog. Fine. Says Yosef. He's like, One minute. Women come to show for chauffeur, they're not obligated on that. So that's a bad araya. You're concerned a woman come to show, like, that's never a concern before. So why are you making a concern now? And therefore, says the minute, if the minute where you're from is women come to show, they should come to show. If they don't come to show, they're not obligated to come to show. It happens to be the brother of the Binyan Sion, of Yaakov Etlinger. He was a fasting postic, lived in, he was a Rav Hirsch's Rebbe, Rav Shamshal Hirsch's Rebbe. His, his safer is called the Binyan Sion, building Sion, because his very first chuva was at, he was asked, can we bring carbonos, Bisman Hazeh? Can we bring carbonos? If we can go on our bias, we'd like to bring carbonos. Do you need a base of Migdash? He doesn't think you need a base of Migdash. Mm-hmm. He goes through re- various reasons why you may or may not need to bring. You can bring carbonos, Bisman Hazeh. So he, he basically quoted from his brother a proof, perhaps, with a woman we put there, and that's as follows. One is not allowed to just free their slave. Why did Rabbi Eliezer free his slave? Why did Rabbi free his slave? He could have just got his wife. Could have got his wife. It must be, it must be, he says, the reason he freed his slave is because women are not high. However, uh, Ellinger disagrees with his brother. He says, no, it could be that you need to have a tzibor there. You need to have a minion there. And you need to have a minion. When you have a minion there, and woman's just not part of the minion. Once you have a minion there, so then women are, are obligated. How do we pass them the mice at the end, end of the day? Based on all this, again, quick review. We said it seemingly derisive. Tosman says derisive, you need to read it from the Torah. We said, what is the nature of this? Is it because we're trying to remember a Malik or trying to remember what they did so we go to war? If it's about to go to war, a woman will be putter. If it's uh, about just remembering, a woman will be chayef. We then asked various nafkaminas, other nafkaminas including, including we said, uh, which parsha should you read? If it's about just remembering it, we can, we can read it on, on Purim Day. We said, 
we talked it just as we done with Tzibor or not. So the Karen Ora said, if it's about going to war, it's all about the Tzibor. Although one could argue if it's about just reading it in public, Tosu seems to imply it's about a Tzibor. We said, is it counted as a separate mitzvah or not? Last week we said, do you have to read all the words of the Torah? No, just, as long as you remember it. We then quoted the Shut. Torah's Chesed, who said the Minigas woman didn't go, we should quote the Shut Minigas woman did go. Both of them basically saying, Minigas Shal Torah, we don't argue with the Minog. And the way we seek the Paskin, and we're willing Paskins, is we, women should try to go. Chavadi actually says women do go, but he says if a, a woman has to be at home watching her kids, he says, Osip a mitzvah, put them in a mitzvah. And she's Osip a mitzvah, one mitzvah, she's put them in another mitzvah. We don't, we do, although Tosa seems to imply, women have, we, if you do a separate reading for women, you have to do it with a tzibor. We, or Willick says we don't have to do that. We just do a separate reading after davening, and they can come even without a tzibor. But we do try to strive to read it from a cloth if possible. Everyone should have a wonderful week. <laughs>